Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm John Lyons, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and the director of programming for the Film Society. I'm Erica Berlin, the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So tonight's discussion, tonight's talk back is Malcolm and Marie. It's a new film on the Netflix streaming platform. Before we get started, we wanted to send our condolences to the family of our great friend, Don Kirsch. Don Kirsch uh, is a eerie acting legend. He was in my early films. I love the guy so much. Um, really, he, he always helped young up and coming filmmakers. He's been on stage and screen for decades, really a legend in Erie, and we're going to miss you, Don. Yeah, Don, uh, it was really great getting to know Don. For me, all through through John's movies, um, he was a really, really great guy. So from the Film Society, definitely thank you, Don. You will be missed and remembered. With that, we're really excited to say that this is our inaugural talkback for the new program, Virtual Cinema. Um, if you can recall, when we first shut everything down after we, we shut down Film Grain when COVID started, we did Film Under Quarantine. That was our first program. I know John and Kelly will remember that. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was an early program. Um, it, it, it didn't really go gangbusters, but I think after a year, of being um, out of theaters, people are a little bit more receptive to virtual programming. So we picked up again, and um, just with a little different format, we're choosing films that are on streaming services, or you'll see that we have some other film programs that are coming that aren't, that are going to be kind of different, but um, we will be having some filmmaker guests, which is going to be really exciting. So keep an eye on some of those programs. Thank you for joining us for our inaugural virtual cinema mm -hmm. talkback program. Yes, we're very excited. So with that, we're going to start our discussion on Malcolm and Marie. And I'll turn it back over to John to give us a little bit of background on the film. And we'll do our first impressions. And like John said, we're going to have a few different prompts. We want to hear your thoughts on some specific topics. But thank you all for joining us. And like I said, we're going to have the hand raise. If you have a specific thought that you want to share at any time, just hit the hand raise and we'll call on you. Uh, and we will announce at the end of tonight our next film, which will be in two weeks. So you'll have two weeks to catch up and watch the next one. We're excited for that as well. So tonight is Malcolm and Marie, written and directed by Sam Levingson, starring Zendaya and John David Washington. It's a story of a director and his girlfriend's relationship that's tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. A very basic synopsis uh, doesn't get into any of you know, the intricacies, which uh, is great because uh, it is, for me, a very full experience for acting and dialogue and discussion. This was shot in secret under quarantine at the beginning of the pandemic. For me, uh, my, my quick reaction is uh, looks great, acting's great, music's great, direction's great, script's great, 
I will be uh, strongly in the loved category. Erica, Mike, who wants to go next? I will. I'll start. Um, go ahead, please. It, I think it does. I do think it does look great. I love the black and white choice. Looks great. Music is great. Direction is okay. Not in the loved category. I'm in the kind of liked category, actually, of this one. So I don't know. I'll pass it on to Mike. Uh, okay, so I'm a sucker for these type of films normally. Uh, like uh, just not too long ago, watched uh, my dinner with Andre again for like the first time in a long time, where it's, you know, you have two very intelligent people sort of duking it out through wits and everything. Uh, obviously, all the merits of the film from cinematography and um, the performances. I didn't love it. Uh, they are really hard these are and I appreciate the film taking this approach and not necessarily trying to cater to the audience's whims and try to making make them likable and stuff like that. I just never felt any sort of relation to these characters. There's something that is cloying about both of them on some level, where it's just like he is totally an egomaniac, and Zendaya's character and and sort of the character motivation for her to continue the fight the entire night. It's just like. She does make, she makes an excellent point at the start of the movie and really makes this, you know, this wonderful stand. And then she just keeps on beating the horse. Uh, and so unfortunately, as the fights continue to unravel, the movie starts to lose me a little bit because it's like, it just starts to, it, it becomes difficult to suspend my disbelief. Now, I think the film, uh, and particularly from a screenplay standpoint, has some wonderful things to say. It's particularly as it gets into later half and he starts talking about authenticity particularly in regards to cinema, but um, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I don't know if this is one that I'm going to keep on going back to as much. All right. Who wants to go first? Janet. I'll go because um, I really, I don't have a lot of time because I have another Zoom meeting coming up at 6.30, but I'll probably be late for that and I'll hang on here for a little bit. So my first impression was it was an emotional disaster, I, but it was also kind of like a car wreck. I couldn't look away. I kept watching and watching thinking, I'm hating this movie. And then I was loving the movie. And then I thought what it, it to me had such depth to what was really going on. It wasn't about him not thanking her. She had so much going on inside of her and so much resentment towards him. And it was all pouring out. And whether they remedied anything at the end I don't know. I love that they kind of left you hanging because so you kind of thought that they were going to fix things, but I'm not sure if they were fixable or not. Um, I think he just totally ignored her and continues to ignore her in a lot of things. She's not getting from him what she needs in that relationship. But I thought the acting was wonderful. Um, I did read that it was filmed in secret, so I thought that was cool. I love the black and white. I thought they were both wonderful actors. I, I really did. I was just enthralled with how beautiful, how beautifully they showed their turmoil. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ruth Ann. You're up next. Some movies, you you know, you can't put yourself into it all. And so you appreciate the characterizations and the story and the message and, and what you're going to get. That's going to change your outlook and, you know, turn your direction elsewhere. And other movies, you, you just fall into it and you become part of the story because you can relate to so many aspects of it. Other times it's kind of a mix of both maybe, but I find that film 
does both of those things for me, depending. And this one was, I liked what, I forget her name, Kathy, I think, said um, emotional disaster. So many relationships are, and they persist. They hang on, and they drag each other out, and they stay, and they leave, and they come back, and they leave, and they come back. You know, so I decided I was going to watch it all the way to the end. Some movies don't draw me. They don't keep me. I want to go. But because we were going to critique it, I said, I'm sticking this out. I'm going to watch all the way to the end and see what I think. And in the end, even when he wakes up and she's not there, and I think, okay, she really does off herself, but does she have a reason now? You know, I don't know what it is. And when they're both standing on the edge of the thing, and you know, and you just kind of, I was, I was left not sure, but then so many relationships just, you know, they're never fully defined. And the other person never feels the same way and sees you the same way you see yourself. And she had more to offer than he recognized, and he was clearly a narcissist, and she might be. And it just so as an illustration of so many bad relationships, I thought it was hugely successful. But um, <laughs> it's certainly not uplifting or, you know, elevating or um, hopeful or helpful. It's just raw display of what happens when two creatives collide. End of end of commentary. Thank you very much. Who wants to go next, Jackie? You're off mute. We want to go with you next. Um, I found it exhausting. I found them exhausting. Not the film. I found them exhausting. And I have to disagree a little bit about him being a complete narcissist because I've been where he was that night. And when you come home from one of your own movie premieres, you are on the highest high or the lowest low, depending on how it was received. And John, you know that as well. So I think he was just so wired. I kept thinking, why isn't he drunk, drunker, drinking so much of the scotch or the whiskey that he was drinking? And I found her, I could really tell the characters were so, she was so much younger than him uh, in her emotional maturity. Because I, at one point I wanted to just say, either have sex with him or get the hell out of that house. Because what, it, what? let him have a minute. Let him have a minute. Okay, he forgot to thank you. I forgot to thank people. We've all forgot to thank people. But I, I thought the cinematography was beautiful. I thought the production design. I love that they shot um, black and white. It, it, you know, everything. I love the film itself but I found the characters exhausting. Who wants to go next? And Delisa, thanks for joining us. John, Kelly, Anthony, Delisa. Oh, sorry, real quick. I just want to add something. I think the black and white is a little bit of a strategic approach because if they were doing this under secret, they probably had a limited crew. And I, I sort of thought about it as like, I bet you they did this as a means to not have to try to color grade every single shot. So, they, so they, it would allow them to shoot multiple times during the day without having to match uh, match shot for shot. Can I just add one more thing? If you guys have a chance, read uh, the interview with Sam Levinson online on Entertainment Weekly because he reshot the opening. So the first two, they completely nixed. So the reason I knew it was under wraps is because if a studio or somebody had been involved, he would have been fired because you just don't waste film like that, you know, and start all over. And they only had an hour before sunlight to grab that open. So it's a very interesting read, um, his interview in Entertainment Weekly. So just check it out if you have the time. 
Thank you. Anthony, hop on in here. I loved this film. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was very beautiful, but the thing that most spoke to me was, and, and perhaps this just speaks to the way that we've experienced conflict in our lives. I think it was interesting because Mike was like, I don't relate to this. I was like, this just to me felt like I so related to the way that the people, to the conflict they were having. And to be able to see that it's like not ever really about the not thanking the person that, the, that there's that that's, that's like a trigger that sets off this deeper process that's happening inside of a person and the relationship dynamic, which often is more about the context and has so much more to do with not just their history with that person, but their, their sort of history with relationship in general. Um, and that, that we often, I've often in my own life and those of my clients found ourselves in these, like in these cycles that these things don't just resolve in an evening that even though you think the fight is over, that conflict is still there beneath the surface kind of influencing us in so many different ways. So I, I thought it was just such a beautiful portrayal of the human conflict, especially in the intimate romantic space. Um, and I could, I, I could just, I could so relate to both of those characters. I could relate to him. I could, I was compassionate for her. I could see how all those things are playing and, and also just kind of noticing how conflict is often just this emergent thing that happens between people with no clear place to pinpoint where it starts. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. John Kelly, Delisa, who's, who's next? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I found them, I, I found it a fascinating movie. I found it very real. Um, I, I thought of, I heard a therapist say that, you know, when somebody just, just lets it rip and screams at you at the top of their lungs, you are, you put, listen because they're giving you an excellent description of your dark side. And there, and that that feels like, and that was the whole movie right there. I mean, it was, you got to see the dark side of both people and how I've also heard people say that, you know, if you're not quite functional person, you know, you, 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 your parents were kind of wacky. So they taught you how to dance like this. And you go to a dance with normal people and you can't figure out how to dance. And then you meet another person that dances like that and it feels like you fit. Right. And I, <laughs> and I thought about that a lot too, watching those two, uh, watching those two go at it. And, and I also thought just this, just the eternal question of who gets to tell whose story. I like this movie a lot. Uh, I, it, it's, it's the kind of movie that I'll probably never watch again. Okay. This is not your kind of <laughs> This is not my territory normally, but it was so, just so beautifully done on so many levels. The, act, the acting, the, the photography, uh, everything, the writing. And I, I really crossed the point when they got to the thing where he rattled off his litany of previous women. And it, it struck me right at that point. It's like, ah, <laughs> tomorrow, tonight, we're going we're gonna to watch... Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Is it, it occupies that same kind of space uh, from from a literary, you know, screenwriting, playwriting perspective, and and that is an you know, and that is unmatched. But I, I want to compare the two of them side by side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Erica, and then we'll go to Delisa. Well, just my follow up comment to that, John, is like he went off that litany, but 
tomorrow she's going to pick a fight with him about that litany that he went down. <laughs> Delisa, up next. Um, I like the movie. It was exhausting because, I mean, they kept fighting with each other. It's like, okay, give it a break. It's like one o'clock in the morning. It's like three o'clock in the morning now. But I liked how they even incorporated music to even tell more of the story. So even when she was quiet, you know, they had a song called, you know, like, get rid of him. So you knew what she was thinking, you know? So So it's, you know, they told the story in so many different ways even in silence, but it's just like these two people who were playing the victim mentality, you know, who's, who's hurt the most. And if you hurt me, I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to top that and hurt you back, you know? So it was just this going back and forth with each other, but you know, they're never going to leave each other because nobody else could deal with them, but each other. And they've thrived off of that pain. They thrived off of it, you know? That's what fueled them. It was like foreplay for them, you know? The arguing was foreplay. So, I mean, they just, they're they're a couple, you know, that you either know or, like, I've been in that type of relationship, you know? So it was like, how far can this go? And it was interesting that they kept it going for an hour and a half in this movie, you know? But I mean, I thought it was a really good movie. It was a really, really good movie. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, for sharing your initial thoughts. Where do we, Mike and Erica, come off mute. Where do we want to, um, what do we want to start with in here? I will just say that as a filmmaker, uh, married to a filmmaker, <laughs> that's an artist also, um, you know, there are other layers in, in the movie just besides, you know, the relationship um, battles that uh, I much appreciate and <laughs> really related to in, in some aspects for sure. When you have those egos uh and like jackie was kind of alluding to um you know you've been working for years just imagine you've been working for years on something i mean most of the time i was on uh, marie's side really to be honest but i could understand uh the male ego and um you know putting up that defensive emotional wall not to make excuses for any of the behavior or the fights but i could get it well, I do have something to say, and you'll find if you any of you have ever listened to our podcast before, the Film Brain podcast, you'll find that Mike and I do have comments about each other once in a while on the podcast, and that just happens because we are married to each other, and I know him very well. So when I was listening to uh, Malcolm go on his rant about the LA Times uh, review of his film, that just kind of went on and on and on. Now, let's go back. We know what his background is. You know, he comes from two um, parents, you know, a therapist mother and a professor father. Um, He has a really, really wonderful education. And he is very upset that the LA Times reviewer points out a very political and, wow, isn't he a great African-American you know, writer, director, as opposed to just, isn't he a great writer, director, you know, pointing out that he is specifically black, you know, as opposed to just, he's a great, you know, writer, director, he is incensed about, right? Because he says at the beginning of the film, 
you know, why do they have to make it about my blackness? And then they go and write about his blackness. Of course, he is uh, understandably that that zinged him at the beginning and it zinged him in the review. And he could have predicted that that's what they were going to write about. And he went on a rant and not just a rant. It was a someone who has a bachelor's degree in cinema rant <laughs> about that kind of review. And I'm listening to this rant and I'm like, man, if Mike were to rant about a review in the LA Times about his, his film, that is what that rant would be like. I mean, you could, I, I could have written that a, a, for Mike Berlin. That would have been you, Mike. That would have been your rant. Maybe and LA I, Times write something about me one day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. I could have written that for you, Mike. That sounded like a Mike Berlin rant. I just, I had to comment that about you, Mike, because that was the rant of someone. So the point I'm making is Malcolm clearly is a, Malcolm clearly has a very, he is a, he is not only is he, you know, a writer, director, he's not only a filmmaker, but he is a film lover and he is a film historian. I mean, he knows film. He knows it. You know, he knows the history. He is someone like Mike who can go way back and talk about filmmakers. Like he, that is his passion. That's what that says to me. It tells me more about his character because he is very much like Mike. That's who I saw when I was, when I was. As you were listening to him. As I was listening to him just eviscerate this woman who wrote this this very positive review because what Marie says to him when he's done, she's like, and this is what you do when you get a positive review. That's what I thought of. That's, that's not necessarily a commentary on the film as a whole, but it's a comment on his character. Well, right. And I think therefore I, I, a comment on you. Thank you. I, so <laughs> I, I think for me personally, while I seem to be in the minority here where I don't think uh, like I didn't love the film quite as much. I think the film works at its zenith when they are talking about the different like when there is that clash of ideas between the different creatives. Because there is different type of creation, uh, like creativity, uh, the creativity of those who live their life to the fullest and everything like that. And then those who are sort of maybe more observant and introspective, but like projecting it in a different way, which I think the character of Malcolm is. And I think that the film does do a very interesting job of dissecting this uh Maybe Maria's Maria's is a little bit the one that is a little less appreciated, but it's an art form. It is certainly an art form. So it's it's fun to see these this clash, and she's every bit as equal to him. Uh, I, I, now it's funny. I'm I'm sort of uh, amused to hear that you say that you are more on the side of Marie, John. But uh, I kind of sided with Malcolm a little bit more. <laughs> Because it is hard, particularly when he is, you know, when he's cutting into her, so to speak, on the in the bathtub scene, it is hard to put yourself out there. And a lot of people who's a lot of talented, very worthwhile, talented people rescind and sort of shy away from that type of pressure. And I and it's understandable. Put themselves why. out there as a filmmaker, as in write their film, direct it, make try. it. Sometimes it's trying. A lot of people don't try. 
It's the reality of it. And, um, and you know, it's just like, and you can feel bad for Marie, but Malcolm for all the flaws and all the ego and stuff like that, he puts it out. He produces. Sure. He, and but like Malcolm, I, Malcolm would not have his movie if it wasn't for Marie. To me, the biggest slap in the face was when I found out that Marie is an actress and he based so much of the story. I mean, he can he can bullshit as much as he wants that oh, it was written before. I mean, there's so many similarities. She's 20 years old. She, you know, has, has these issues. I mean, Marie, she, she hesitates. I, she, I felt that. She, um she yeah. hesitates. They talk about this. She hesitates when it comes time to audition. Like, what's he supposed to do? Bend heaven and earth, honestly. And I get it. And she does have a, it, it, because you see the both sides of it. Is he really supposed to bend heaven and earth for her when she is showing some ambivalence towards the auditioning process? I, I feel immense sympathy for her, but like he's finally got the financing for the film and you know how difficult that is. You got to keep it moving. I, it's I, a, I felt it was a giant betrayal. Does anyone else want to jump in sorry, here? Go and, ahead, uh, Ruth, do you want to jump in? Um, and it struck, it, it made me think that perhaps the reason she was so, uh, the reason she objected, the whole purpose for her, her stance throughout the entire story might have been personal regret that she hadn't that she hadn't jumped at the chance when the opportunity was there and then realized after the fact what it could have meant for her and all these things that we go through if we hesitate and we don't step forward i've also been there and i and that you can kind of be angry at yourself and you and you you want to throw it at the person that could have you know just opened the way for you but you're supposed to take your own step and mike i remember when you were a kid Tell your wife how old I am and how you know me. Uh, you were when you first moved. You were always going out and making yourself known and making contacts and taking those steps. When you were just a kid, you were already doing that, you know. And so you've done that throughout your whole life. And it's probably what it takes. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. And 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 by the way, I don't think that's always like for what it's worth, it's, just, I think that there's more often than not people who sort of are more introverted, who tend to be more talented, but it, this is, this is showmanship. There is, there is a little bit of the sell. I, I mean, I, I guess I really, of anybody, like I understood at Malcolm's points a lot of times and uh, I, I felt sympathy for Marie, but it's just like, She's. You got to stop letting the world treat you like look at you as a victim. Well, maybe the oh, maybe oh, the oh. issue is he he looks at her as too much of a victim and isn't isn't could, maybe could, so good for the, support. Does anybody else want to jump the in? Delisa, Delisa? I think it was that they both didn't believe in each other. I think they both seen each other fail, and she said, "I'm the one to really do this movie." Her heart wasn't in it because she's seen him fail before. And he didn't push her because he was like, I don't think she really can do it. So they didn't believe in each other. So then when they both succeed, like she sees him succeeding, she's like, oh my gosh, he really did do it. You know, oh my gosh. So now she's mad at him and upset with him. And then he turns around and he actually, I think he probably surprised himself that he probably did that good. And then he gets up there and he's like, look at me and gets off the stage and she's like, well, what about me? He left her behind. He just left her behind and that's what she felt like. We did all of this together and it didn't come to the end of the movie where she really expressed herself. 
But I think they really, I think the success just really hit them hard because they were so used to failing. So now it's like, where do we go from here? Will this relationship last? This relationship has always lasted in dysfunction. But now I might be taking off. I might be going somewhere. Will he take her with him? You know? So I think that's where it was, is that they're, they're both frustrated. That's, I think that's an excellent read. I didn't even think about that, Delisa. I think that's an excellent point. Because it's like, especially in a relationship that's stemmed over time, like you've seen the failure and you've seen it when it's happened like to the other person. And it does sow that seed a little bit of, uh, of doubt. That's a really good read on that. So Delisa, do you think them, uh, the last shot with them standing up there on the, on the cliff or whatever that was, she's, this is like, they're going to go their separate ways at the end. What does everybody think? I think they're going to stay together only for a short time because she's, she's still young. She's still figuring it all out. He really doesn't know where he wants to go. Like with this whole film was about her so his story was about her so does he even have another story does she have another story do they have a story what is the story so could this move forward so i think at this time i think they'll probably stay together because they both need each other i mean i don't think she has anywhere else to go she just her she's at her plateau because she's like if I leave him, where would I go? You know, who else, where would I go? And he's like, where would I go? So it's just like, this is going to be a dysfunctional relationship, but it's like, it's in a weird way, it will function, you know, because this is their story and that's it. One thing I noticed is that, I mean, and I could be wrong, but it was the only time in the movie that they were actually looking at the same thing. Mm. At the end. That's really good. Ooh, and especially after all those mirror shots when they're going to bed, yeah. Never that even in the bed, they were never they were facing the same direction. They they had the same they were they were had the same perspective at the end. I'm the eternal optimist, so I, I think they're gonna bite and claw their way and stay together and maybe kill each other. Who knows? Erica. Well, I think that she is so young. She's such a young woman. I kind of hope that she has a better story ahead of her. I want a really, I want a better story for her. Like at the end of the movie, I hope for more for her. She just, and I know that she has a better story. I think he had to get that story out of him, you know, and maybe that was her catharsis too. If it was her that it was about, it was cathartic for her to get it out and her story had to be told through him. Okay, that that was processed. That was exercised. Good, it's out. So that happened for her. It happened through him. Maybe that was it. Maybe they had to go through that together. Maybe they had to have that night of just getting it all out. And like you said, Kelly, I think that's a great point. After all of the all of that that they went through, they stood on the edge of the cliff and they looked in the same direction, and they were going to go forward in that same direction together. And that was it. And there they go. They exercised the demons. They they did it, you know. And there they go. And and let's let's do it together. Let's move on forward together. That's one way to look look at it. I kind of hope maybe that's the way they do it. 
Here's the other story. She exercised her demons through him. He had this success with his first movie. He goes on and gets lots of offers and he tells his other stories and becomes successful. And he's kind of like, look, I don't need this damaged woman in my life anymore. And I'm going to go on and have, seriously, I don't need this in my life anymore. And I know that there were people watching this movie. John, I know you were rooting for her. And if you really were, you'd be like, she doesn't need that egomaniac in her life either. She needs a guy who's going to support her and take her hand and be and be a better man to her in her life. Like if you really wanted her to get better, if you if you want you would you would want her to be with someone else. That's but maybe, really maybe he's giving her the push. I mean, maybe him being a, you know, let's face it, a, a dick in, in some of this is is maybe that push. I will also push back, Erica. She did say that he essentially robbed that catharsis from her um, by making this story. So I feel like she, her, her character in the film said that she didn't get that. He he stole that. Sure, maybe. But I don't know. I think if she looked back, maybe that would be different. Jackie. There's a scene to me that was very telling when she was saying to him, I was there with you through every rewrite, through every draft. We read it together. She was too immature to say to him, I can play this role. And he was so blinded that he didn't offer her the role. I, I had a very long relationship with an actor when I was out in L.A., and even reading a script, if he wasn't he wasn't big enough to play the lead, I would find him a part because that's what we did. You know, we supported each other in our craft. So the fact that he didn't even think of her for that role or another role in the film was very telling to me. And you could see her lack of experience and her age that she never said to him while they were reading 20, 50 drafts, whatever. What about me? And I felt that that that's that saddened me because I thought he's he's not supporting her at all because he gave her nothing. He didn't even give her a piece of the pie, let alone the pie. Oh, and, and I think another telling thing about it is that he killed her in the movie. Yeah. Yes. He killed her off in the movie. He was like, this is it. This is finished. Instead of, you know, her, her story is that she's still there. She's still driving. She's still learning. He just, he ended it. I think that's probably why he probably didn't thank her either. He kind of dismissed her. You know, like it was ending. It's an ending for him. That was a period to an end of a sentence or something. The movie was, whether it was about their relationship or, you know, or if you can look at it as that's the end of her drug life. I don't know what his, his thought pattern was on that, but it, he kind of killed her off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, geez, good good point. I mean, you all, this is great commentary. Let me just detour, it's just a tiny bit, but still related. I think it was Kelly that said, um, or maybe it was John, who's who gets to tell whose story, which I think is an interesting topic that came up in the film. Um, you know, Barry Jenkins got a lot of shout outs in, in this movie, which is great. And I also, I just want to throw out um, his first film, which is uh, Medicine for Melancholy, was two people um together wandering like a city and uh, it's quite a quite a great film but you know he uh, he's not gay um you know there's uh 
men making films and writing stories about women, vice versa. Um, can can white people make a movie uh, about black people and the black experience? Just um, what what does everybody have to say in general about who gets to tell whose story? I thought that was an interesting aspect that came up in the film. Um, Margaret Atwood, a writer, I think there was a thing that came through the newsfeed on social media, and she kind of affirmed something that I was hoping was true, which is that you write about your own experience, and you write about the people you know, and you write about yourself and your relationships with them, but you just change the names and you tweak the characters a little bit. So who gets to tell whose story? Writers write about the people they've known and the experiences they've had. It's not what comes up. You know, they don't imagine everything. Everything we experience informs what we say and what we, um, how we uh, create. So on that, on, to that point, you know, you have to be willing to acknowledge that that's already happening. Whether he had the right to tell her story, given how sensitive and, you know, sort of um, fragile and tenuous and precious she was, that's what makes this story so poignant is that she, you know, we can't decide if she's delicate or if she's really tough. At least I wasn't sure. You know, I, I kept going back and forth about her. He was easier for me to read, but then I sort of read men. I don't read women as easily. But, you know, I think a writer has every right to talk about um, the people they know. But in this story, she no, it's. I think it's a good. It's an excellent point. And, and Jackie, I think you've mentioned it now the the age gap between them two, and that is such a crucial part to the dynamic between the two of them. I totally agree with you on that point. If there was no Malcolm, was Marie ever going to get her story out there? I mean, I don't know. Over she's the, an she's an actress. She's, <laughs> she's, she's got a lot of a lot of years maybe in her career, so. Um... It's, I think that's hard to say. I don't necessarily think that Marie needs Malcolm as much as Malcolm needed Marie is my feelings on it, career-wise. Yeah, well, to go back to who gets to tell whose story, Marie touched on it a little bit when she said the story probably would have been more sensitive if a woman did it. You know, maybe the, the story would have been told different because it seemed as if, I don't know, you know, from her point of view and from the um, LA Times review, it just seemed like he was just telling the story, you know, wasn't as sensitive as it could have been, you know? So, I mean, I guess it's who decides to tell the story. It's from whoever's point of view, you know? I mean, it's all about perception, you know? I mean, it's just like how two people can be in the room and experience the same thing, but it'll be different. So if she wanted her story told, she could have always had her story told. She was always with the writer. She could have always had her story told. So she never gave her point of view. She never spoke up or gave her voice to her story. So that's how her story got told. He needed her story to get where he was, but I don't know if her story needed to be told because maybe she didn't ever need, maybe she never even wanted nobody, no, you know, anyone to know her story. You know, it's up to that person. So I guess it's just about perception, I guess. Well, at least she got a thank you. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Anyone uh, have some last comments? Did we change anyone's minds? Do we have any? 
Any haters or lovers? Well, I thought it was really interesting to hear everyone's comments. So many things that I didn't think about at all. <laughs> I've judged it really quickly. I judged it for this from the second time that she came back in and picked the second fight. I was like, oh my gosh, no, just leave him alone. I thought, what did he do that's so, just leave him alone. Just, you made the mac and cheese. He's eating, just let him eat and enjoy it. Just, he had such a good night. Just, you made the mac and cheese, just go, let him eat. And I just felt, I just was sympathetic to him at that moment. And I was tired. I was tired. And so I really decided at that moment, I was tired from watching the movie already. And it really colored me for the whole rest of the movie. To me, it felt so, like a real, a real argument, a real yeah. all argument. And, if- and so I think it changed my, I changed my opinion and I don't, I, it never went back. It actually never changed through the whole rest of the movie. And I'm so glad to hear everyone's opinion that you really got more out of it, I think, than I did. I really, my opinion really has opened up more hearing everyone's comments. I think maybe I'm personalizing a little bit with this film because I remember once getting ready to go to a premiere of one of my films and my partner at the set time said to me, hey, when we go to the party tonight, can you not play producer? I swear. And I just was like, but I was the producer and it, 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 it just tore me apart. And so that's why I, maybe I side with him just a bit because it's like, can he just have tonight? You guys can have this fight tomorrow, but let him have a little bit of that tonight. And so maybe, cause you know, I mean, how many years ago was that for me? And I still hold on to it for crying out loud that he said that to me. Um, so maybe that was my perspective and I maybe watched this through my own eyes a little bit. So thank you for sharing. And I'm going to go to therapy tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. So so I got to add this to my list of great, uh, great food scenes, eating scenes that, that you know, it's like, like a racer head, you know, kind of of like that there's a, (laughs) when he's snarling snarfing down this stuff and shouting and making strange noises it's it, it's 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 really it, it's another classic scene. Um, does anyone want to recommend some more films before we before we wrap up that are like two persons i'll throw out a couple i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh richard linklater's before trilogy is like one of my favorites this is before sunrise before sunset before midnight mike already mentioned my dinner with andre and i mentioned um Barry Jenkins' Medicine for Melancholy. I'll also say Moon, which is kind of an odd twist on the on the two two person. Anybody else want to throw out another? Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, John? I think you. Met, that's actually, I you know, I didn't think about that. That's a great callback. There's a ton of this movie uh, that certainly owes a credit of that, uh, de- gratitude to that one. Almost anything from Edgar Albee, I would say. You know, we're gonna watch it tonight. Ke- Kelly's never seen it. I haven't seen it oh. since it first came out. I saw it in the theater. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly you're in for mean, a great one. A mean couple. Whew. And a, a young Joel Siegel, by the way. Like, he's a baby in the movie. Yeah. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us. So our next film is going to be Nomadland, which is the maybe the top contender for 
a lot of awards um, this season. It premieres on Hulu um, this Friday, which is February 19th. So you will have from the 19th until the March the 3rd will be our next discussion like this. And we'll be um, discussing Nomadland. It's on Hulu. Uh, Erica, do you have anything else you want to wrap up with? No, just that I want to thank everyone for being here for our inaugural talk back for virtual cinema. Like I said, we have some very exciting announcements to make soon. Um, one of which I wonder, can I just do a little tease for John? Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll, I'll mention the two for, because you guys, we love you. Um, we're going to show two documentaries, one of which is called Coded Bias. It's about facial recognition software and essentially how it has a bias against um, African-American skin, where it does it improperly rec recognizes uh, African-American skin and how it's going to have, it can have a impact on United States legislation. Uh, and the filmmaker will be in attendance. So that's gonna be really, really cool. Um, and the other one is called The Story of Plastics which is also fascinating. Look at the, looking at the history of plastics manufacturing and basically the myth of plastics recycling. And we'll be talking about the plastics recycling plant that will be coming to our community. Maybe. And we'll have, maybe, maybe, hopefully, hopefully not. But um, yeah, that's gonna be a really important community discussion. So. Uh, and we will have uh, the producer. producer here for that uh, discussion as well. So some very important conversations coming up and documentaries coming up. So spread the word about those ones. Those are going to be really important. So that's what's coming up there. Keep an eye out for those. But the next one being Nomadland, March 3rd, all that information is going to be on Facebook. So again, thank you very much for being here tonight, everyone. See you next time. And that's our episode of Film Grain. Next week is part three of our interview with the cast of Undercover Billionaire Comeback City. It's a special conversation with Glenn Stearns and Ashley Messenger. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram and rate us and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like us, please consider a donation to the Film Society on our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. Until next time, this was Film Grain.